once again joined by the nefarious Nate McBride and the asinine Aaron Kinney. Aaron, we'll start with you this time. My friend, how we doing? What are we drinking? Uh, asinine is always my friend. I am rolling it back to the bush latte because it's all that's in my fridge today. I didn't have time to stop at the store. So we're tipping one of those back like uh, we're sitting out by a bonfire. Love it. You're wearing, a, you're wearing some Barely Hockey merch, I see, too. Yeah. Yes, sir. Got the Barely Hockey hoodie. Fresh from the dryer. Nice and warm on this chill winter night. Love it. Love it. How's the weather up there in Ohio? Is it fucking cold? Did it snow on you? Um, well, it was snowing this morning. Turned to rain this afternoon. So you could say we're just living the life up here. And it's, it's not miserable at all, you know. I'd, I'd recommend anyone come just... Expose themselves to this hellhole. Up probably, here. probably back to snow now. I thought they said it was supposed to get down cold and refreeze and start snowing again. Yeah, so. I I can't keep up with it. It's it's just one shitty thing after another. So, but such is life in the winter. It was mid fifties and rained here all day. So don't get me wrong. I totally, you know, it was shitty and probably we, felt. Wind, we did so. get up to like forty six today. So you know, kudos for that. I guess January W in Central Ohio. Hell yeah. So, Nate, how we doing? I see you uh, are rocking a CBJ sweater, which is great, but buddy, the hat, the toque. Absolutely. The Sudbury Bulldogs, baby. You got to love them. Get behind them. Shorzy season. Blueberry Bulldogs. The Sudbury Blueberry Bulldogs, yep. You know, the Sudbury Hawaiian Punch Hounds, whatever you want to call them. Like, let's get after it. The biggest fucking C in the league. Biggest fucking C in the league. They announced season two coming out later this year, 2023. So. Get boned up on season one. Bone emphasis on the bone. A, and uh, get ready for season two. What are you drinking? Oh, we uh, we're going with a little old Milwaukee, bringing it back to that. Uh, also, with Aaron, oh, yeah, didn't yeah. have time to make it to the store, so gonna stick with our old Milwaukee dad beer. That's totally Love you. you and I are holding it down in the trailer park over here. Absolutely. And then we got to, and then to mix, to mix along with it, we got a little maker's mark. So, you know, we're mixing and drinking and having a good time watching some hockey. It's late night. Recording a late session of Beerly Hockey, ain't we, Phil? We sure are. And as I enjoy a, uh, a Labatt Blue on this fine evening, I finally found a little place that carries them down here. Um, there are plenty of bars that have it, but finding a carryout that has Labatt is tumultuous. Really? That's um, quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of New Yorkers down in Charlotte, for those that don't know. A lot of New Yorkers, a lot of Islanders, Rangers, and especially Sabres fans down here. Um, because it's the number two finance hub in the country outside of New York. So a lot You're of them right. come down here. Um, big banking industry and shit like that. So you get a lot of East Coasters. So there is there is hockey. Hockey does exist here, but you got to go to certain places to find it. Um, other than that, Canes fans, and, you know, that's about as, as far as it goes. Um, tonight, guys, uh, as Nate alluded to previously, uh, in about 10 minutes uh, Eastern time, we're going to be getting tuned in here for a little live on TNT. The Edmonton Oilers take on our Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, you know, probably going to be a lot of no spit, no lube, sandpaper finish. Going in raw, baby. From the boys Can't be worse than last time they were on TNT against the Sabres, though, let me tell you. Oh, boy. You know Who knows? Blue Jackets were reverse retros, and they're in reverse first place. So, fuck. Yes, you know, fuck it. And that Connor <laughs> Bedard sweepstakes, boys. Who knows, Aaron? You might have just encouraged them to say, hold my beer. Let me see what I can do for you. 
Just to, they're gonna get McDavid to fucking 150 points tonight. In one there. night, yeah. One night. It's gonna be a sheet show, but you know what? I think we got other things to talk about first and foremost when we really get into this episode here. So, what do you say we get into it, boys? Let's get into it. Uh, Aaron, I think I think you should take this one. I think you should. I think you should lead with this because I was I, I was actually just gonna say we're gonna talk about the Vancouver Canucks drama, and I'm gonna throw it over to Aaron Kenny. Nate, yeah. So we've, stuff, we've been <laughs> foreshadowing this for quite some time, boys, talking about the fucking debacle up there in British Columbia. Well, it seems it's mercifully finally come to an end. Bruce Pedreau has officially been let go. I'm sorry, you're fired. Get out of here. That man... Yeah, dude, he handled this shit with as much grease as you could expect anyone to under the circumstances. So for weeks on end, for anyone who hasn't been watching, all the insiders have been reporting about how the Canucks have been talking to other coaches. They've been after Rick Tockett, basically just like handing away Bruce's job while he's still behind the bench there. Jim Rutherford has gone on the record with the media saying he's been talking to other coaches after a well-documented torade of insults that he's thrown at his coach throughout the season from bad training camp to no structure to not even knowing how long he was fucking signed for. But I will say the, the one silver lining in this whole thing is basically it was reported Bruce's firing date weeks ago when they were expected to hire Rick Tockett. So everyone knew when his last game was going to be even though he was still kind of waiting for the official announcement. And everyone pretty much knew it was going to be done after the game against the Oilers on Saturday. And Vancouver Canucks Canucks fans, those crazy motherfuckers, they were just out there in spades supporting. We had We Stand with Bruce signs throughout the crowd. We had the Bruce There It Is chant as he was leaving the bench for the final time. He did a little salute to the crowd. They gave him a standing ovation. They fucking loved him up there, boys. He he really did some great things for that franchise, especially last year. I mean, they went on just a crazy rip after he got hired. Awoke the offense and JT Miller, Elitis Pedersen, Brock Besser, so on and so forth. The it, he uh, he was actually gave an interview with Pierre LeBron of the Athletic here uh, the other day. It was talking about how they all you know had a big sit down in the locker room after the game. Everyone was kind of tearful. They all you know he. He said it was the first time he's ever been fired that he's actually been able to say his goodbyes to his team all in there at once. So that it was kind of touching there. Um, I've actually got a quote from here from that article. He says, I enjoyed my time in Vancouver and I'm sad to see it end, but there's no use rehashing everything. I'll just say it's been difficult. It was difficult not knowing and thinking you're going to let be let go and nobody telling you anything. Nobody really had to tell me, but with just a speculation, the noise outside and the reports asking every day and reading articles about being a lame duck coach, that it was just a matter of time. Those were the things that were difficult. But, I mean, no one had to come right out and say, you're going to lose your job or that this was the time you're going to lose it. I think I'm smart enough to look around me and see what's going on. Um, Jim Rutherford did make a public apology for his comments to the media and said that he's been too honest and wants to stop doing media Actually, and he's going to allow Rick Tockett and GM Patrick Alvin to answer all questions about the hockey ops now. So I think he learned a lesson there. Tockett will knock him the fuck out. Yeah, no shit. He's not going to be <laughs> ripping Rick Tockett. 
That's for Fuck, sure. no. Oh. Don't play, homie, don't play that game. Yeah, That's I mean, you could try to bully, you know, nice guy Brucey Boudreaux, who's been in in the game of hockey for 50 years. Guys, wouldn't it be great if Boudreaux took over Tockett's seat on TNT? I would fucking love that. Oh, that it'd be, be amazing. Cool. Give me all the stories, You're gonna take dude. my job, bitch? I'm taking your job. Oh, she. Uh, one other little nugget here that I think is hysterical. Um... So, Vancouver did not want to nut up and pay Bo Horvat. That's been well documented. They offered him the Ryan Nugent Hopkins deal, $5.5 million per year. They are now paying three coaches, two of which are no longer coaching there, a combined $7.5 million this season. And so that consists of Target for two point seven five, Pedro for $2 million, and Travis Green somehow is still getting paid after over a year off. Two point seven five million dollars. So they're just a fucking shit show up there, boys. That's an absolute gonger. That is that's inexcusable management. Ownership, C suite, all of it needs to take a step back, look themselves in the mirror and go, Maybe we're just not cut out for this. Yeah. I I think uh Francisco Accolini is a little bit of a too prideful motherfucker to admit that he can't handle this shit, but I think everyone in Vancouver would be thrilled if he were to put the team up for sale and let someone with a brain get I'm, in charge of it. I mean, let's be honest here. I I think you have to question the ownership of prob- of the six Canadian teams. I think you have to question the ownership of maybe five of them. I mean, I, you got you're definitely questioning no, Vancouver. You're definitely questioning Ottawa. You're a hundred percent questioning Edmonton. You're definitely you're you got to think about Montreal. What's going on there? Yeah. Uh, I think Montreal's on on pace to get their shit together. Though. We'll I mean, see. They, we'll see. There's they, they hired a new front know. office. They got Marty St. Louis. They're yeah, they're kind of in the midst of a rebuild right now. The jury's still that's, out. The jury's still out. But and then I, I'm I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna press pause on Winnipeg. I, I don't think you're gonna count them yet, and I don't think you're gonna count Toronto either. And, uh, well, in Calgary, um, we'll see. I think the jury's, I think jury's still out on that one. They're still trying to get their fucking arena situation so figured out. So I think that's taking up all the two, bandwidth in that city. You're 4-2-1 you're right now. You're 4-2-1 on Canadian teams. Four need to think about it. Two are fine. One's in the air. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Four of your seven franchises up in Canada, I think, have huge question marks in, in the area of ownership. The very fucking top of the the very fucking top of the pyramid, and when you've got issues at the top, what's gonna happen, guys? It's all gonna just trickle down to the bottom of it, and it affects the entire yeah. organization. I think Edmonton would be under a lot more scrutiny if it weren't for them getting McDavid to just drag their asses kicking and screaming into like the middle of the pack here. Because I mean, they had a shitload of first round picks in the row. They, they hired Peter Shirelli, who is just, he fucking put that franchise in the toilet. Ken Holland hasn't done a whole lot better, although they are on a little bit of a rip right now. Won six in a row. But, yeah, I mean, McDavid covers up a lot of the warts in that organization. I mean, that that's what, I, that's what I'm talking about, man. McDavid covers up a lot of stuff, and I think it's only the Oilers ownership group that, in the hockey world, that doesn't see the fact that it is without without McDavid, this team is virtually nothing. This team is a yeah. 
This team is in the, the bottom of the Pacific. They're the Columbus Blue Jackets, and Dreisaitl is Johnny Goudreau. That's what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, honestly, that's, that's I'd not re- foreshadow there, because if we get Connor Bedard, he's going to be our McDavid, and I really hope we're not in the same position they are after a few years of that. Let's not even let's not even play that game right now because everyone here is just going to get mad. So Edmonton, yeah. Edmonton fans, I just want to know what do you think? What do you think of David Katz? Is it if, is it time for him to go? Yeah, and also just or Daryl Katz. Sorry, Daryl Katz. Canadian fans, guys, uh, you know we want you to reach out to us. Obviously, we haven't really we haven't delved, delved into Canada as far as we should have so far this year. Mostly because a lot of your teams have been kind of bang average, if not below average. But let us know on Twitter at Beerly Hockey. How do you guys feel about you know everything we're talking about? All of our socials are all over there as well. You got at Stack I Nate at Postgrad Phil and at Aaron underscore Kenny Nine. Um, so go on there. You know, let us know what you think. If any of our opinions are dog shit, or if you love them, whatever. Um, and after you listen to the episode, make sure you leave us a five star review and go and check out our store. Uh, we have a Beerly Hockey store under the Beerly Sports Store. Go check it all out. Buy some merch. Everyone at the podcast. If you don't listen to the other ones, give them a shout out. Some too. sick stuff up in there too. Come on, yeah. and leave us a five star review, everyone. That's how we get the word out to everyone else. Spotify, Apple Music, gonna be promoting this shit. If we get those five star reviews, we are gonna get the beerly hockey sweep in the nation. Exactly, that's what we want to do, boys. So, Nate, I know you had a little, you know, coming off this Vancouver stuff, and, and obviously what's going on in Vancouver right now is is tragic and. Um, in terms of just the way they handle it, how passionate it's, the fan base is—it's just a mess, um, man. It really, really brings you, really brings you down. It, it does, and uh, I recommend anybody who has it go out um, and listen to uh, Ken Merrick's thirty-two thoughts last week on all this. It was phenomenal interview um, or conversation, I mean. Um, but guys, let's transition over. And Nate, I know you had something a little more uplifting you wanted to share with the listeners, so let's. You know, let's hop on over to that. Yeah, yeah, just some I think kind of cool tonight uh, in the Ottawa game. They were uh, or one Mister Ridley Gregg, uh, spelled G R E I G. Uh, he was a first round pick of the Ottawa Senators in 2020. Um, he's finally making his debut for the Senators tonight. Um, and Ridley is the son of former NHLer Mark Gregg. Uh, who played 125 games in the show. I mean, it's about a full season's worth, plus some. Um, he went between the NHL and the AHL and then kind of finished out his league, and I think it was the Dutch or Danish league, Dutch league, whatever. Um, but he spent you know 125 games played between the Whalers, the Leafs, the Flames, and the Flyers. Uh, he was drafted by the Whalers 15th overall in the 1990 draft. Um, played until 2003, um, but and he's currently a flyer, a scout for the Flyers. But you know, just stick taps for for Ridley the kid. Uh, best of luck to you, and um, sorry, Dad, but hopefully he gets a few more games and a few more uh, points than his old man did. I'd say watching that old man's career probably taught him the value of resilience and continuing to work hard. So Absolutely, man. I think he's set up for success. For sure. Good for him. And good for him. You know, you love to see the young kids get their chance, get their shot. Absolutely. You know what? You, you play a game in the show, you made it further than 99.9% of the guys that release in their skate. So I have a little segment I want to do. Uh, it's a hot take. Um, Aaron, you may not love this, but we've talked about it. But uh, guys, I've been doing research. I've been listening around. I've, I've been reading a few things. And everybody talks about Bo Horvat going places, but I think and I, I'm calling it now. I called. 
fair trade earlier this year on this podcast, and I'm calling this one now. Timo Meyer is going to be 100% a New Jersey Devil. Calling it right here, right now. Write it down in the famous words of George Strait. Timo Meyer is going to go to the New Jersey Devils. He's in the final year of his 4 by 24 contract. Uh, already Swedish leadership in New Jersey, and Nico Heischer is the captain. I think it makes total fucking sense. And I think the reason that the Devils are going to go for it, despite how good the Bruins have been, which is why I think teams in the West may be a little more aggressive than teams in the East. President's Trophy curse is very real. I think we all believe in it, and we've established that. So for me, I think Timo Meyer is a perfect fit for the New Jersey Devils. Agree or disagree? Damn, I love I, I Go ahead, Aaron. Uh, so I think that on the ice, he would be a great fit there. I'd love to see him in that system, have some success, play with some high-speed, high-octane players. The big barrier there, though, I think San Jose's ask is going to be so high for him that to do this, you have to have an extension attached. And his qualifying offer, boys, is $10 million because of that backloaded contract he signed. So looking at New Jersey's cap friendly here, they're at $83 million right now. They don't really have any they, – they've got $1.2 million of cap space. So, first of all, they're going to have to move some guys out even to get them in on this current deal. Then they've got a hell of a lot going on next year. They've got Jesper Bratt, who's going to be an RFA. He's going to need a new deal. He's getting a huge raise from that $5.4 million. you got Thomas Tatar. He's probably coming off the books. He's up for UFA. Miles Wood, he's an assistant captain. He's making 3.2. He's having a solid year. I think he gets a little bit of a bump from there. Eric Holla, you probably have to cut bait with. He's going to be up. Damon Severson, rock on defense for him. He's going to be due for a raise from his $4.1 million. And Ryan Graves, solid, solid shutdown guy. He's making 3.1 right now. I could see him coming in at like 4.5, maybe $5 million next year. So they got a lot of business to handle. And I don't know if they can handle $10 million a year on Timo Meyer. Boys, I got a, I got a little announcement here real quick. Um the boys of Beerly Hockey will not be making $83,000 tonight. Uh, just to give our listeners, we were going we were going to talk about this later on cuz we were hoping that we'd be still alive by now. But uh, to let the listeners know, the Beerly boys, we uh, two out of three of us live in the state of Ohio and now in the state of Ohio, sports gambling is legal. So we wanted to have a little fun tonight and do a little in-game parlay. And that parlay is now dead and gone because we did a eight-leg goal scorer parlay, which included Alex Dabrinkit, Brock Nelson, William Nylander, Andrei Svechnikov, Jason Robertson, Connor McDavid, Andre Burakovsky, and Bo Horvat. This bet, we put down $30 as a team, and we would have won 83121 But the Leafs game just ended, and William Nylander did not score. So we are out of the game, gentlemen. Out of the game. But maybe unfortunate. Maybe, maybe here in a moment, we could give our listeners a little treat and do a live bet of a goal scorer, a second goal scorer parlay for that Kraken-Vancouver game tonight. Uh-oh. 
be that'd be lit as fuck. Nate, if you put that together, man, just announce it over over the airwaves, my friend, as the people listen to us bet in reverse. Guys, speaking of that, uh, the late night games, we did want to get into it a little bit tonight because tonight the second game on TNT. You know, our Columbus Blue Jackets are taking on the Edmonton Oilers. We made a little bit of a joke earlier on. No spin, no loop, sandpaper finish from uh, Edmonton. Um, yeah, man, the Columbus Blue Jackets are dead last in the NHL. 14-30 and 3, 31 points. Um, you know, fingers crossed for Bedard, as we keep saying. Try to speak it into existence as much as we can, right, Aaron? <laughs> yeah, we, we're, we're really pulling <laughs> for it over here. We're, we're manifesting. Yes, and um, you know, just to touch base, uh, most people that are big hockey fans know the Jackets went and took on Calgary on Monday night. Hell of a game. Uh, you know, Jackets lost 4-3, to three, but the real story uh, was obviously Johnny Goudreau's return to Ed, or to Calgary, Jesus Christ. Um, you know, everybody was, you know, his teammates were razzing him in morning skate, which he got a kick out of, you know, booing him a little bit on the ice, having fun. I personally love the photo of the guy that flipped Johnny off in a Flames jersey, but was wearing a Bengals hat. I thought that was quite funny. I don't know if that gentleman is from Ohio or if he is from Calgary and just happens to be a Bengals fan. Um, that image was very funny to me. I found that comical. Yeah, that was uh, ridiculous. Overall, overall, though, I mean, the game-winning goal was shit, but Boone Jenner even, you know, bringing the Jackets back to tie it up at 3-4, and four, so T, shows that, you know, despite how bad they are, they can still be a little resilient. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, at the, at the end of the day, the Columbus Blue Jackets are relatively hapless, but... They are uh, the yeah, worst just, team in the league. By far. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, boys, did the crowd ever give it to Calgary? Aaron, holy shit. Yeah, dude, they were just pouring the booze on, man. Um, I will say there were some classy motherfuckers in that crowd because during his welcome back video, everyone always gets a little video tribute if they're like a, a key player on a team when they return. We did get a nice little standing ovation from some of the fans, but everyone was just right back on top of them as soon as the game action started again. They were just pouring it on. Um, and it was actually kind of funny. I saw a story at morning skate, apparently. All the jackets started booing him as soon as he touched the puck just to kind of prepare him for the atmosphere he was going to be playing in. So broke the tension a little bit uh, for what was going to be a nervous game for him. And uh, it, it kind, of, kind of loosened everybody up a little bit. Fun little trope there, I'd say. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he did spend nine years there. Yeah. Boys, when you boys, when, boys, when you get a chance, Venmo me five dollars. Here's what we're going with: four leg parlay going into tonight. Connor McDavid, Kirill Marchenko, Andre Burakovsky, and Andre Kuzmenko to score in the games tonight. Fifteen dollars down. Two goals the other night too. Fifteen dollars against Chicago. Fifteen dollars down will win us thirteen hundred. That gets us a trip to see the Beerly Boys. Let's go. Yes, sir. All right, Phil, I'm done talking in reverse. Let's go. No, you're good, man. You're good. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Goudreau spent nine years in Calgary. Um, yeah, I mean, he had two tucks in the game, but, you know, when he was there, man, he he had 609 points in 602 games, including 399 apples, 210 genos over that time. Um, I, I give Johnny Goudreau all the credit in the world, man, and we'll hop over to Edmonton, too, because they're a little more entertaining to talk about for the average listener, to put it that way. I want to give Johnny Goudreau uh, all the credit. Like I said, I tweeted this uh, yesterday. Uh, the man is almost averaging a point per game for a really, really abysmal Columbus Blue Jackets team. It's just a, it's just a testament to, one, how good he is as a player. We all know how skilled he is. But number two, to how much of a consummate professional he is, to keep his head down 
and just play the game he loves on a night-in, night-out basis, when he knows he has no shot to win Lord Stanley's Cup this year. So this is us, you know, for all the negative that Johnny Goudreau's received in the past 48 hours from those at Calgary, uh, we're going to give him, uh, play a little tummy sticks with him here on on barely hockey. I mean, he's been in the league long enough to where, like, he's seen Columbus, and he's got to realize that Columbus has only been in the playoffs a couple times. We're not a team that's just a consistent powerhouse. So you almost got to think in the back of his mind, he was like, he had to think, this team could be kind of bad this year. Well, he's been interviewed about it, too, and he's like, you know, I signed here for seven years. I'm not expecting everything all at once right now. Like, they're building something. He's kind of looking towards the future. Everybody talking about him just like in the doldrums this season. It's Yeah, it's rough right now, but hopefully this thing's going the right direction. Big prospect pool, potential top draft pick this year. So now, he kind now, of sees it, light at the end of the tunnel as well. Right. Now, if in three, four years we're still, you know, we've done nothing and we're still in the same spot, then I think we're having a different conversation. And I think Johnny is asking for a trade or demanding a trade even. Um, but let's be honest though. He was in Calgary for nine years and they never made it past the second round in that time either. Missed the playoffs a lot too. So that's true. Not like this is really new for him. That's he'll feel true. the pressure. He'll feel the pressure to win a cup as he gets older. Absolutely. 100% happen guys. Let's hop down and talk about Edmonton. Cause talking about Columbus is just depressing. Yeah. Um, Edmonton's in the wild card one spot. Uh, you know, a lot of things going for them in terms of the offense. Um, Noah Vander came tonight against Columbus. Um, even though we're speaking and, you know, you guys will hear this after we record, but we're having fun with it. Um, he uh, has to go to his bankruptcy trial, so he's not going to be playing tonight. But he is back from filet wrist hashtag filet wrist filet wrist um, It's just one of the funniest damn things you've ever said on this podcast, Nate. <laughs> I appreciate um, That's what I appreciate about me. Yeah, that's what I appreciate about you, Swirly Dam. Um but yeah, Coach Jay Woodcroft, you know, still has incredible talent on the top lines, guys. Uh, Zach Hyman's been great all year as well. Um, you know, he's writing a current five-game streak of 12 points, so over two points per game in, during the streak. Um, he's at 56 points this year, which, you know, in 47 games for a guy of traditionally a third line or maybe a second line or at best, pretty fucking solid. Um, Nate, who else would you say has been playing a key role for this Edmonton team? Boy, uh, there's been a few guys that have played a pretty crucial role. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned Hyman, right? Yeah, I did. Okay. Um, well, I, I'd also add in Clem Costin. Um, he's been looking like a really quality top six player on their second line. He's had four goals in three games at the beginning or at the beginning of the Oilers' win streak. Um, he's up to nine on the year uh, in 32 games of action. That's that's really exactly what you need from a second line guy. And that's what this Edmonton team has needed is just a little bit more production from their depth. I mean, you cannot just rely on that top line and we don't even need to speak their names. We all know who that top line is. You can't just rely on that top line to win you every single game night in night out. And then also do it in the playoffs too. Like, you need to see some signs of resilience and fight and just production out of your second and third lines. If you want to have any chance to win a cup, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. you, you got to have the depth. I mean, once you get into the second, third round of the playoffs, you've got to be able to match up with the second, third, fourth lines of other teams because everyone on those teams is good. 
you can't just get by with like a top heavy top line, top two lines that go out and score lights out, but not have anyone else on your team. So the fact that some of these lower guys are stepping up, it's huge for the Oilers. Game changing. I mean, it, it, I think we've, I can't tell you how many times we've talked about it this year or just on this podcast in general. It's, you cannot as a franchise rely on a, on a single line to be your main source of production. I mean, don't get me wrong. You've got two gods up there in McDavid and Dreisaitl. And they're ride that as long as you can for 100%. I'm not saying don't do that, but you can't just put the team on their – put the franchises on their backs and do nothing to help them out. And Edmonton's had a trend of helping them out or helping these guys out offensively, whether it be at the deadline or free agency, bringing in guys that maybe have name recognition or you know had past success and they're all right with Edmonton. But it's it's always been from the defensive standpoint with me. They've done nothing to help this this ownership, this the GMs, whoever. They've done nothing to help this franchise when it comes to defensive help or goaltending. Yeah, and those are the big weaknesses of those stars. I mean, McDavid and Drysaddle can light it up offensively. They can score all day long. But if the other team can score more than you can, it doesn't matter how many you score, you know? It's oh. like they've never had that rock-solid number one defender. They've never had reliable, reliable goaltending, which, I mean, Jack Campbell has looked a lot better here recently. He's been in net for five of their no four of the six games that they've won in a row here 924 save percentage 225 GAA over that span but that's still a very small sample size so he's gonna have to keep doing it throughout the rest of the season to really get some confidence from his teammates it's just it, it's just I just that's just always been the hole on this roster is defense and goaltending I just don't get uh, where's the development in this franchise that where's the development I just don't they get it. They traded all the way yeah. chasing cups with a Hall of Famer. That's what they do. I, they trade I, everything away. They really haven't traded that much away. I don't think, in, in, the, like, in terms of they, draft capital, they, I don't they, think they've, they've done that much. They traded away draft capital or they pissed it away. Yeah, they pissed it away because they can't develop their guy. I mean, they've got Jesse Paul Yarvi playing on the third line, or the fourth line, I mean. He was the third overall pick. Fourth yeah. overall pick. Yeah, fourth, fourth overall pick. pick. Yeah, they, had him, they had him back in Sweden at one point on loan. Guys, yeah. I do. We, we talk about the decor there, and this game's an interesting matchup. I, you know, Edmonton's going to get an up front, up close and personal look at Vladislav Gavrikov. Very highly talked about defenseman from Columbus. Uh, he's going to be UFA in the offseason. Do you think this is kind of Gavrikov maybe displaying his talents for Edmonton tonight? Oh, yeah. It's 100% an interview for him. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. that's exactly what this is going to be. And. I uh, I wouldn't be shocked if by this time next week he could be an Edmonton Oiler because that that would be that would make so much sense for them and the change that he could have to that team from a defensive stand I mean he would probably step in there and become their number one or number two best defender. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, he'd be a big valuable asset. Um, the, the big thing is, like, what's the ask in return? Because a first and a third. Yeah, I, I would say so at least. And Ken Holland's always well, talked about how he doesn't want to trade away his first-round draft picks, probably because he's not confident in the development of the prospects. But, I mean, you you got to do something here to supplement this team. 
because McDavid and Drysaddle aren't signed forever. They're coming up pretty soon, actually. And if they don't see some moves to really beef this thing up, I don't see them wanting to stay there. So I, I think it's time to nut up or shut up there, Kenny. Send us some fucking value here for Gabby. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if even at this point in time they they'd want to move on. I mean, sure things can change in the future, but hell, man, I, I don't care if they back up the Brinks truck to you if you're McDavid or Drysaddle. Why not get with a franchise that's actually competent and knows what they're doing when it comes to their players and their cap space? Yeah, if they, I mean, if they go on a deep run again this year, they made the conference final last year, got fucking smoked by Colorado. Yeah. And uh, if they go back to the conference final, I mean, maybe they see something coming, but it's still just, I, I mean, from an indifferent perspective, I'm not an Edmonton fan. I'm not like any of their rivals fans. I don't really care, but it's just watching this team year after year, just piss away the value of the players that they have by not supplementing them with a competent roster. It's tough. You really should have probably three cups by now with the two guys that you have up front but you've done nothing to put that team in a position to get there yeah i i mean i don't know if i'd say three cups but like you'd think you'd at least make it to a finals once dude like holy shit i mean it's it's not the nba it's not a one or two player game you gotta have a full roster but there's players out there you can get the pro scouting and the developmental coaching is just not there. Yeah, I, so they, I think they've got to make some changes. And, and again, that that starts from the top all the way down. Absolutely. Connor McDavid is the Mike Trout of hockey. There is no reason. Wow! Wow! Be that yeah. that was a fucking immaculate comparison right there. I mean, honestly, just that was beautiful, Phil. Beautiful. Thank you. I, I'll, I'll say it once again. So when they, when our editors go in there, they can crop this part out. If we could do a little, you know, beerly baseball, beerly hockey collab on social, follow them, beerly baseball. Connor McDavid is the Mike Trout of the NHL. He is the Mike Trout of hockey. It's infuriating to watch because when you watch them play, you're like, there's so much talent around them, but they're clearly missing something. Whatever it may be in that particular season, and Connor McDavid is getting the short end of an untaped, unbent, unmarked, unscuffed stick. And, you know, people are making jokes with him now. He's getting handed, you know, he's worn the same, you know, the same pair of socks. They're all ratty and shitty. And people are like handed him new socks and he's just like staring at him like, he should, you know, a guy in a good mood would laugh. He's not in a good mood. He's tired of not fucking winning. He got drafted into Wayne Gretzky's shadow. And he. That team has done nothing. I mean, they've tried, but developmentally, they've done nothing to help him outside of Drysidle. Not only not winning, not having any fucking help. Everything no. they do is reliant on him. Yeah. Like, the dude can't have an off night, otherwise, his team's in the fucking toilet. Exactly. And like, the, exactly. the amount of pressure you got to be feeling with no every, reward whatsoever to this point is just. Every power play, you're like, I have to score. I have to score so we can yeah. have an. You know, so we can score enough tonight to maybe win five to four. So I feel for the guy. I really do. And tonight he's probably going to bend, bend the Blue Jackets over and have his way with them. But at the end of the, you know, at the end of the day, Connor McDavid has to go home at night and probably be the angriest human being in the NHL on a night in, night out basis. I think so, you could. I think another comparison you could make 
in this that is also to LeBron in his first stint in Cleveland. Like, yeah. it's, it, I mean, it's it's a one-man show, and it's just a bunch of scrubs around him pieced together, and that's a guy that is carrying a team to the playoffs every year but is never going to reach the apex. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You, know, or, you know, you can a lot of comparisons with it. Um, let's hop over to something a little more enlightening. Maybe not <laughs> – I get it, enlightening – this has been a depressing podcast so far. Maybe not I gotta say. power fandom, but our boy, Trev, follow him, Fairly Trev, is a big fan of this team. Guys, the Tampa Bay Lightning, Aaron, they've been on a fucking roll. Dude, this is the Lightning that we're used to seeing. They were a little slow out of the gates. Even us, we were questioning, are they getting a little fatigued? They played a lot of hockey these last few years, going to three finals in a row, winning two of them. Well... They've totally brought it back. They're 30-15-1. They've got 61 points. They're third in the Atlantic, only because Toronto and Boston have been so dominant. They're just they're back to what we're expecting. They're 14-6-0 in their last 20 games, boys. That's a dominant pace. Absolutely crazy. And they got the offense, too. They're averaging 3.8 goals per game over that span. That brings receiving average back up to 3.61. That's tied for fourth in the league with Seattle Kraken. Shout out, Nate. And they've got some fucking players doing some shit, too. Nate, you want to dig into the boys on this roster? Yeah, man. Uh, let me just, let's just go ahead and get into it. Starting off with the captain, Steven Stammer Stamkos. 24 Genos, 31 Apples, 55 points. He scored his 500th goal on the 19th versus the Canucks. He's the third active player to reach that mark. Uh, obviously, Crosby and Ovechkin have as well. Uh, but it, it's just awesome to see him hit this milestone after all the injuries he's battled through and all the injuries he's battled through in his career. I mean, it's it's been a long career, and I mean, I hope he's got I hope he's got a few more years in him because it's good to see him just keep going. Um, but you know, continuing on down the line. Nikita Kucherov is just doing Kucherov things. 19 Genos, 49 Apples, 68 points to lead the team. Uh, Braden points leading the team in goals with 27. Vasilevsky's starting to come back into form again. It's like he got a. It's almost like he got his second win um, since Thanksgiving. He's 14 six and 0 with a 9.27 save percentage. Uh, and 2.2 goals allowed on average. Uh, Can't keep the big cat down for long. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, so obviously this team's rolling, boys. They're looking great again. Uh, the last few years we've seen some big moves at the trade deadline by them, despite the improbable odds of the salary cap and low draft capital. Do we think they're going to be doing anything this year? What uh, What's everyone's thoughts on this? It, they don't have a first round pick this year or next year to trade, so it's gonna probably have to be some some depth guys, maybe a little lower uh, buy low value stuff going in. What what are our thoughts here? I'm gonna say no. I don't I'm think this say is no. I'm gonna say no because they're gonna they're gonna go into playoffs knowing that you know wherever they finish in the standings, they're not gonna catch Boston, so they're gonna have to play Boston before they get you know to the yeah Toronto. Yeah, like they'll probably get Toronto in the first round again. If they get past that, they'll have to play Boston, you know, Boston at some point. And I think most teams, especially in the Atlantic, but in general in the East, <clears throat> I think a lot of them are going to stand pat and go, 
you know, what do we have to do to take down a team that has been an absolute behemoth the entire season? I mean, Austin doesn't lose ever, it seems like. And I think a lot of teams in the West are going to make moves and maybe cannibalize some of the worst, you know, lesser teams there and go after guys on bad Eastern Conference teams. Because at least if you make it to a stand like a final, you have seven tries to try to knock off a team that's, you know, right now looking like they may set the points record. So, you know, it, but in the East, it's a little more of a daunting task. And I think this might be the year where the Lightning go, you know what? We've been there and done it. We've been to three straight. We've won two. And I think it's time that, you know, we rely on the big cat. You know, we're just going to rely on the big cat to get play himself in a form like he's been doing. Ride that shit out. If they get anything, it's like depth, right? And I think they're just going to eat it this year. I, I yeah, I, I I don't think this is a year to be making moves. If it, I agree with Phil, if it's going to be anything, it'd be you know a second tendy. It'd be you know a you know a a bottom you know a bottom pairing defender or a bottom six you know forward. It's not a year. Yeah, it's not going to yeah. be. It's not going to be anything big. Um, and and just to bring up a point here, you know, you you mentioned it, Phil. If if yeah. you know pace keeps up, they're probably gonna. You know, Tampa's gonna probably end up facing Toronto or Tan- or Boston. Um, maybe first or second round of the playoffs. But I was in between periods of the. New York Rangers Toronto Maple Leafs game and Henrik Lundqvist brought up a kind of interesting point and it's something I think that we need to bring attention to and also watch for the remainder of the year. You know, you look at Stanley Cup winning teams at some point in their season, Stanley Cup winning teams have faced adversity, they've been down and then they had to battle back. Uh Boston hasn't really had any any moment like that this year. They haven't yeah, that's a maybe maybe a single game here and there, but they've never they haven't gone on a skid. They haven't had to deal with a lot. I mean, they started the year dealing with injury. Now guys are coming back. It doesn't seem like they've had to deal with any of the midseason injuries. So just something to keep with, in mind. I, I agree with Hank there, and Aaron, I'll let you go off in a sec. But I, I agree with Hank. But my thing is, so many guys on that Bruins team, their careers have been that up and down. What what's one season in the entire career of Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, etc.? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, those guys have been through some shit together. I I think it's a good point. Like each season is kind of its own animal. You get into a rhythm and stuff. If stuff seems a little too easy, and then you get into the playoffs and get smacked in the face, it could kind of set you back a little bit. But barring injury, I think Boston's a wagon, and those guys have been there before. Um, one interesting thing about Tampa too, so. Some of those guys that they've traded for in the past, Brandon Hagel, Nick Paul, they actually signed those guys to uh, some deals here. So, like, Nick Paul signed for a few years, Brandon Hagel for a couple. I mean, the, those guys were more than just rentals. They were they were pieces they acquired for a couple of runs. So that kind of saves them the pressure of having to trade for guys like that during this season. The one thing which you brought up, Nate, I will say – Depth defenseman, I think, is an area they're going to look to add. So if they can get, like, you know, a second and a third round pick or, like, some late picks and maybe a prospect for a solid, reliable, like, number five, six guy that they can plug in if some injuries happen, especially since they don't have McDonough anymore. Someone just kind of solidify that blue line if they need it. I think that's what they would target above all else. 
especially with the forward core they got right now. And honestly, I can't even think of any names that come to mind aside from a Blue Jackets, just because I don't think I know that many like bot or like you know third pair defenders on many other NHL teams. If I can be honest with you, go look at who's available in Chicago. Like Chicago, yeah. Anaheim, like- yeah, ba- yeah. Basically, you pick a guy from you know a seven or eight team in any division. It's kind of tough too, though, because like. Those guys on those teams are so bad. The like you get a guy that you're thinking is going to be like a five six guy on your team. He's like a top two or three guy on those teams, and they're going to want a good chunk back for him. So it's it's kind of a tough negotiation, especially with where the cap's at. I mean, this cap not rising has really hurt a lot of these teams here that want to make moves and make some shit happen at the deadline because yeah. you just don't have the space. You're having to throw teams extra picks to retain salary just to make it work. It's just tough sledding all around. Yeah. Uh, Phil, you're, Phil, you're muted there, buddy. Or maybe I maybe something's weird there. No, I can't hear you either, Phil. Oh, there you are. There you're back. No, I wasn't muted, but that's bizarre. Okay. Um, at least I didn't press anything. That's really strange. Um. Aaron, if you want to take the quote here, uh, when asked by Pierre Lebrun about the potential for a deadline move, uh, Tampa responded, how? So, GM Julian Brisebois, he is talking to Pierre Lebrun about his trade deadline past, trade deadline future. Um, Talking about this year, he's like, I think we're going in with the same mindset, being that we're going to be on the lookout to add to the deadline, as we always are. But, and it's a year-round process. We're always on the lookout for opportunities to increase our odds of winning a Stanley Cup. Again, this year we don't really have cap space. It would have to be a dollar-in, dollar-out situation. That's the reality of being a team that spends the entire season in long-term injured reserve. So, like, if they are going to add someone, they're going to have to move salary out. They only have $119,000 in cap space right now. That's not even enough to meet league minimum salary for one player. So somebody has to leave that roster if they're going to bring anyone in at all. Um, already mentioned they don't have a first-round pick this year or next year, so it's going to have to be some lower picks, maybe some prospects. I don't think they're robbing a first-rounder from two years out from now at all. I, I think that's just out of the question because they have no clue where their roster is going to be at that point. But, yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of cat maneuvering and wheeling and dealing here if they're going to make a move. I don't think it's very likely we get a big splash in Tampa. No, I I don't think so either. It's uh, it's just gonna be an interesting move to figure out what they're gonna do. So, Phil, speaking what do you... of first round draft picks, though, I will say Montreal is really up in their odds at getting the high one here because Cole Caulfield shut down for the remainder of the season. Just came out. I some shoulder surgery. I that's that's no bueno, man. You'll see them tumbling down the standings, I would say. Yeah, I mean when when he can when he contributes, you know, thirty six points and twenty six genos in forty six games this year, that's a uh, that's going to be a heavy hit to your offensive production in Montreal, no doubt. I mean, he was in every Montreal game that I looked at for those goal scorer parlays. He was always at the very top, and usually. Um, you know, was a was a minus guy, which in these parlays, you know, uh, pluses are underdogs, minuses are favorites. He was 
pretty consistently a favorite to score a goal in each of Montreal's games. And it's rare to see favorites for any time goal scores in the NHL at all, just because of the, the rarity of scoring. McDavid, McDavid is a consistent here. favorite. McDavid yeah. and Dreisaitl are like those are the type of guys that are consistent favorites yeah. when it comes to goal scoring. Austin Matthews is isn't a favorite when it comes to goal scoring. Like Ovi, Pasternak, that's really about it. Though we can't hear you, buddy. For some reason, we're, we we can't hear you. Sorry, bud. That's why we that's why we keep. What about you? now? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Now we yep, got gotcha. you. What the fuck is going on? Anyways, anyways, um, listeners get a little peek behind the curtain here. What we do with the technology side. This is a we're we're trying out a new little platform software here, so it, you know we'll apologize for any little kinks, but we'll it'll be better next time. We promise. We're authentic, if nothing else. Yep. We're kinky. We're kinky. Ooh. Oh. All right, boys. Erotic scenes. Hey, uh, speaking of the Bruins and. Pasternak and his incredible scoring prowess. Somebody will not be scoring for them for a while. Thomas Noshik out for four weeks. A non-displaced fracture in his foot. Yuna uh, Confidence going to take his spot in the lineup. Uh, thank God they're deep as fuck. Confidence a solid player. Um, and then one injury that is just unfortunate. He decided to kind of fight through um, the shoulder injury. Elected not to have surgery. Rehabbed it. Only got to play eight games this year. Two tucks and an apple. Josh Norris up in Ottawa fucked up the shoulder again. He's out for the remainder of the year. It's tragic. He should have just had the surgery. I don't know who consulted him not to. I get that he I get that you want to play. He's a young player, fourth year, nineteenth overall pick. You know, he wants to get out there and prove himself, but you're young. Your shoulder will recover. Don't do more damage. Just sit the year out. It sucks. You know, and you your team's through. not making the playoffs, so it's not like they really need yeah. you right now. Get Get healthy for next year. Yeah, that was a that was a that was a mistake on whoever advised him. Yeah, can't blame the player on that one. It's it's got to be on the medical staff for for telling him you know go that route for sure. Yeah, uh, guys, uh, going ahead and just moving on here because we're we're done with the Debbie Downers. Let's go back to the uppers here. Uh, we haven't talked about the Rangers in a while. Uh, but they they deserve some beerly hockey TLC. Uh, Aaron, why don't you kind of just give a rundown on what's been going on with the Rangers thus far this season, and you know some of these guys that have been kicking it up a notch. So they went through a little bit of a midseason slump here after coming out of the gates hot. They have finally got their shit back together here. They are seven two and one in their last ten games. The record is twenty six fourteen and seven. They got fifty nine points. They're third in the Metro. Adam Fox, man, we can't talk about this guy enough, and we really haven't talked about him much at all this year. One of the youngest Norris Trophy winners we've seen in a while. This guy is just climbing his way up the D-scoring ranks. He sits fourth among defensemen right now. He's got 10 goals, 38 assists, 48 points. He's on pace for a career high of 83 points if he stays healthy. He's got 13 points in his last 10 games, so he's cranking it up even more recently here on this win, or yeah, this winning ways 10 game streak that they've got going on. And Monday versus Florida, he had one goal, two assists. Um, just finished playing against Toronto there. New York lost in overtime, so pick up a point there against a good team. Um, but it, dude, the big story with him, the points are great. He is just dominating possession though. He's got. A career high in Corsi and Fenwick, 61.8% Corsi, 61.7% Fenwick, 
just shot attempts all over the ice from him, not allowing much on his end. And keeping in the theme of defensemen here, Keandre Miller, third season in the league. He is really taking a huge step here. He's anchoring a shutdown second pair with Jacob Truba. He's got positive possession metrics for the first time in his career. Uh, over 50% in Corsi with 50.5. He's got 50.7 in Fenwick. So both uh, measures he is killing it in. And his offense has taken up a notch, too. He's got five goals, 20 assists for 25 points, which is already a career high for him in only 47 games. So the sky's the limit for him this season. I see him finishing somewhere between 45 and 50 points, I'd say. Um, this was really, this was really a, this was really a big, sorry to interrupt you, man, but this was really, this was really a big year for Keandre Miller to take that step. And I'm, I'm glad to see that he has, because I think he's got a bright future in this league. He's got a lot of talent, a lot of potential, and I, it's great to see him take this step. Uh, I can't wait to see what this guy's going to do the rest of the year. And, you know, moving forward year four, year five. The problem. Of, of the Oilers, exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, dude. They have, a they big thing incri- too. Incredible decor. Yeah, they're they're looking good, and he is about to get paid too. I would say because he is putting up his best season right before he is up for his restricted free agent deal. Right now, he's making nine hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Huge value for oh him. Oh my god, you're team. getting oh, you're getting him. You're paying him nickels on the dollar, man. Yeah. So next year, or at the end of this season, I guess I should say, he's going to be an RFA. That's going to be a big payday. Uh, I see him making somewhere between four and five million, probably on a bridge deal, maybe, unless they want to do. So, what we've been seeing here recently, a lot of these teams are starting to lock up their young guys for long term at big money, maybe that they haven't quite put up the numbers to earn yet, but they're projected to. So, I mean, he could do something like what Ottawa's done with like Stutzla, Norris. Thomas Shabbat, those guys. Maybe we'll see him getting like that six, seven, maybe eight if we're lucky range uh, for like an eight-year deal that ends up looking like a steal here in a few years when the cap goes up and he's just ripping it up. So it, interesting to see how that plays out. But right now he is just providing exceptional value. It's interesting because I, I, I don't think – personally, I don't view the Rangers as a franchise that would normally do that unless they've got – unless it's a guy like an Artemi Panarin where, like, they know that – where, like, they feel like they've got it. I mean, I don't think they've even done that with uh, – what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Their rookie from a one couple thing, – One thing I will say, dude, Adam Fox, he's 24 years old. He just signed that $9.5 million per season deal. Now, he – the big thing with him, though, he's got the offensive numbers. Keandre Miller, he does a little bit of everything. He's good on both ends of the ice, and he hasn't quite had the offense before this year. But they just paid Adam Fox a shitload of money, dude. Yeah. Nine point five for a twenty-four year old defenseman—that's crazy. He, won a he, won a he did win a Norris. He did win a Norris. You got to pay up for that. That's true. That's true. But. I could see them trying to make kind of the the savvy long term move and locking this guy up. From I could see him maybe getting like between six and seven for like an eight year deal if they really want to be aggressive. I kind of I personally I, I see him around a like like not far off from where you're at like just like literally one step down. I see him as like a five six type guy. Like that's where I see him. That's maybe. where I see him, him coming in. But you know. Well, I'm wondering if maybe like maybe they offer him that, and he's like, okay, I'll do that on like a four or a five year deal, kind of bet on himself, you know, 
I, I'm going to be worth more than that next, and then I can sign a big ticket after that. It's it, it's kind of wild because you used to see these bridge deals all the time, like two, three, maybe four-year contracts for like mid-range on these young players, and then they get another chance to sign a big ticket before they hit UFA. Yeah. So it it's always kind of interesting seeing the way this landscape changes, where now we're starting to see these guys take the security of a long-term deal at a little bit lower number than maybe they could get otherwise if they waited. Oh, we just got a, a goal here, too. Yeah. Uh, Boone little, Jenner. Little Boone, Boone Jenner. little Boone Jenner action. Boone Jenner high tip in the slot. That uh, that porous Edmonton defense is allowing the worst team in the league to score on him. Big surprise. Got a little redirect there, too. Yeah. Love Getting it. Getting his joke on with that, that waist-level tip in the slot. Uh, Artemi Panarin this year, uh, not surprising to us, but on the power play of his 19 points, 17 of them are apples. That's what he does. Facilitates on the power play. Um, and then one guy that we really need to talk about, you know, I mean, Savannah has been great this year, too. But Aaron, I know you love talking goaltending. Igor Shosturkin, baby. Love goalies, man. They're voodoo. They're fun to watch. Igor Shosturkin is 100% back. Everyone was kind of doubting him early in the season. Thought he was maybe a little worn out from the Rangers leaning so hard on him last year. Last 16 games, he's 10-4-2, 9-27 save percentage, 219 goals against average. Season stats up to 21-8-6, great record, 9-18 save percentage. Uh, that's that's heading back in the right direction. We'll probably see him in the mid-920s, I'd say, by the end of the year if he keeps us rolling. 244 goals against average, and he is saving 13.1 goals above average. So the, the Rangers have been playing better defensively than they did last year. Because last year, I mean, they were just porous. They were leaning on Igor all day long. But he's getting a little more help. Still saving more goals on average, though. So good to see that from him. Um, another one of that just... Russia is just churning out the goaltenders, man. You got Shesterkin. You got Sorokin. You got, like... It, it's it's just crazy, man. It's, it's crazy. That's Russian goaltending... Yeah. yeah, Vasilevsky, he, he's been here for a while, but he's still ripping it up. Bobrovsky's uh, on the tail end now, but Bobrovsky's one. Bobrovsky was good. Yep, Tarasov, Tarasov, the next generation. Daniel Tarasov coming in. Uh, who's the kid Nashville just drafted, too? He's supposed to be real fucking good. He was awesome. Yeah. Someone, years who, someone who loves Borscht. Someone who loves Borscht. We'll, we'll yeah. get back to you on the Nashville really guy. Cool he's not going to be playing for a while with the juice in there. Yeah, no. There are a lot of Russian tendies. So, uh, we just talked about the Rangers. What about the other New York team over here, the uh, Islanders? Yeah, yeah, man. So, on the other side of the city, uh, not so much having a good time. Uh, one, six, and three in their last 10, uh, with a season record now of 23, 21, and five. That's putting them at 51 points, sixth in the Metro. Uh, but in a just absolute shocking twist of events, Lou Lamorello is accepting responsibility for the recent struggles of the Islanders uh-huh. franchise. And, Dude, hell froze over. And, fucking unreal. And he what? says he will continue to try and improve the team ahead of the trade deadline. Uh, guys, I got, I, I got quotes to read to you here. Um, I'm just going to go through them, and I got one. I'll, I'll pose one question at the end. Uh, I'll start off from, you know, just, yeah, I see what you're rocking, buddy. I love it, by the way. Uh, Throwback Island crew neck for those that don't see video. 
so there was an the I so, so there was an article on uh, NHL.com from one of their staff writers, Emily Benjamin. Um, and here, I'll just here's Boudreaux, or uh, sorry, here's Lamorello's quotes. Uh, quote: There, there's no excuses because it's on me, totally on me. My that's my responsibility to make us the best we possibly can, to make whatever changes we can. That's not on the coaching staff. That's not on the players. And I take responsibility. It's making it happen. There's a lot of reasons why sometimes you can and you can't. And those are decisions you have to make. But I take full responsibility for whatever changes are or are not made. Continue. That sounds like a whole bunch of fucking gobbledygook, bro. That's the most political answer, like... Hold the on. changes. Hold the responsibility. Sorry, continue. Yeah, I we're just, not done. I, we're I not done. Out of my system. Yeah, we're not done. He also he continues on to say, I think that if we can make ourselves better, whether it had been yesterday or the day before or today or tomorrow, we Jesus. will def- we will definitely do that. And then he says, I think that if we can make ourselves better or sorry, he, or sorry, he says uh you have to make sure that whatever you add is not subtracting. I think if you look throughout the National Hockey League, you see the exact same thing. So, pretty much, I'm going to ask you guys, is this guy, is it me or is this guy just explaining the basic thought process of a GM throughout the season? Not even explaining the thought process of a GM. He's just, like, saying shit. It, like... He's like, oh, we should be better. We shouldn't be worse. I'm Lou Lamorello. We gotta. We can't subtract if we're gonna add. It's today and yesterday and the day before and tomorrow. And I'm still a fucking asshole who fired the best coach in the league. So now I guess I gotta eat it. That's that's all he's saying. As he's like, it sounds like he's reading off a post it uh, off a postcard. And if anybody asks a question, he says, "I'm just here so I don't get fined." Yeah, it's. He Dude, sounds like I am so sick of this guy's like bullshit, man. Like, he was a great GM with the Devils. I'm not going to take that away from him. This motherfucker has just run this Islanders franchise. He made one good decision the whole time he was there. Well, sorry, two. Did he? No, he didn't even draft Matt Barzell. Just one. He hired Barry Trotz. That's it. That's the one good fucking decision he made. He gave Devon Taves away because he wanted to re-sign fucking old-ass Matt Martin. He, he fucking, he's just like, he's made this team old and slow and got rid of the one good thing they had in a Hall of Fame coach because he didn't want to take responsibility for not having a good roster. Not to say we called it, but we called this team being dog shit at the beginning of the season. They had a nice little run where they got back into things because it got some good veterans on that team that have some pride. But the Islanders need to cut ties with fucking Adolf Lamorello over here, who won't let his players have facial hair or have, like, clear tape on their stocks. Like, uh, this guy cares if his players put clear tape on their socks instead of white stick tape. That's how fucking deep he has his claws in the fucking day-to-day shit on this roster that doesn't matter. Just get good personnel and get good coaches to run your team, and shit will work out. But no, you gotta like come in here and act like this is a fucking Catholic school where everyone has to wear your fucking uniform. Come on, bitch. Get the fuck out of here with that. 
he doesn't under he doesn't have a semblance of modern reality. He Not thinks, at all. I've always done it this way, and I won doing it this way. So now it's like, dude, you won doing it this way with guys whose dads fought in Vietnam. You're that bug-eyed, chameleon-looking motherfucker needs to just go into the retirement home. They're now coaching Gen Z, who was not raised the way that the guys you won cups with were raised. And the good GMs understand how to relate to the players on some level. On some level. Blue Lamorello thinks that because it worked before, it can always work. There are certain things that work that way. For instance, cooking. The way that your grandmother cooked can be, certainly be the way that you cook, and it will work that way. With human beings, it, human beings evolve. Recipes do not. Lou Lamarillo has no fucking idea how to, you know, how to relate to anybody under the age of 40, let alone anybody playing in the NHL. And because of that, he still implements these largely ridiculous rules, ridiculous things that maybe some kid would play better if he had the clear tape because in, his, in that guy's mind, and we all know athletes are so cerebral, you know, the game is so mental. If you're not in the right mental state, you can be the best physical athlete on the, on the planet, but you're going to have there's gonna be something wrong, and you're not going to perform up to your highest, you know, abilities. Think about how – sorry, Phil, go ahead. I just don't think he has any idea how to relate to anybody, and people keep giving him jobs because until we get Gen X in everywhere and we get rid of boomers out of everything, like they just get phased out, we're still going to have people that were raised by, by dads that went to war. And that's not relatable to modern society at all. And I know that's a little more sociological than we probably wanted to get into, but I definitely think there is something to say about the disconnect between – especially boomers and, and Gen Z, which is now what we have in terms of GMs and some coaches and the modern athlete. Well, think about like how superstitious these guys are and how set in their routines and their equipment they are. Connor McDavid is wearing fucking Vietnam socks with holes in them because he likes the way they feel. It, and you're going to tell your fucking players that they can only wear a certain color of tape on their socks? Like, Really? I mean, it's it's crazy to me. It honestly, the the uh, analogy I'm going to make here it reminds me of like when a great college football coach goes to the NFL and he tries to treat grown men like kids in school. It's like, all right, you're leaving your personality at the door. You're all for the the name on the front of the jersey, which like you do want to be a unified front on the team, but like you can't just crush these people with your rules. These are professionals, man. They're going to show up for work. They're going to play hard no matter what they're wearing, no matter what their hair looks like. It, you're going to make everybody have fucking crew, crew cuts and fucking shaved faces just because you think that, like, individuality means you're not going to contribute to the team. That's not how pro sports work, man. No, it, it's it's absolutely not. And I, Aaron, I, I, don't think, I don't think any of us could, could have said it any better than that. Is there anything else we want to touch on with the New York Islanders before we hop into the little <coughs> – game but a little bit of a fun more like a build a player activity if you will Nate you want to shit on Lou real quick Lou Lamorello's piece of shit that's all I'm going to say alright see you Lou guys I had a little game for us tonight like I said more of a you know build a player and what we're going to do is we're going to build our perfect NHLer 
but we're going to have different elements of different players, and none of us can use the same player. Gentlemen, I am happy to, since mine is in the middle on this sheet, I will be the second person to answer every time if you guys want to do it more like Snake, where Nate goes first and then Aaron goes first and vice versa. I'm happy yeah. to go second time. That's totally fine. Sure. Uh, Down perfect. with that. All right, so to kick this motherfucker off, we're going to start with Nate. And we're going to start with hands. Who's, which saucy mitts make the best NHL or do you want? I mean, I think this is a no-brainer. It's McJesus. He's got the best hands in the league. He gets through. He can get through four guys right in front of him and with, with ease. And it, it defies logic how this guy does it. So it's got to be McJesus. Here. I'm going to go with what I think he'll be in the future a little bit, but I'm going to go Trevor Zegers, man. Oh, I think he's got some saucy ass mitts, and I think he's a he's an absolute treat to watch. So I'm going to go Zegers here. Aaron, up to you. I'm going to go with the shootout onion chopper here, Patrick Kane. Yeah, this dude, he's always fucking dangling. You watch him going on goal as he slows down. He's just like slicing that bitch up. Bunch of million moves. Patrick Kane's hands all day. I love that. I love that. Number two, we're going to go to shot. Aaron, we'll start with you. Which shot would you want? Man, as much as I want to go with my boy Tage Thompson, i got to go with the tried true, the legend, Alex Ovechkin. That man, greatest goal scorer of all time. I'll take his shot all day a phenomenal one to go with. I obviously was heavily considering going with Alexander Ovechkin in that scenario. Um, you know, I, I've i been thinking about it for a while, and there are a lot of guys that, when you watch them play, they do things that literally make your jaw drop, and he may not be doing it for as long as, as a guy like Tage Thompson would, but I, I'm going to have to take Sidney Crosby here. Okay. He did. Uh, he made that concerted effort there after I think it was the 09-10 season to really work on his shot and ended up scoring a career high in goals and winning the Rocket. So that man does have a missile of a release. That's that's kind of what I'm going with. Like Ovi has an absolute clap bomb and just has a nose for the back of the net. But man, there's just something for me, something to be said about the way Sidney Crosby. Like he scored goals where I'm just like, how the fuck do you even get a stick on that? How did he Dude, get through there? The one uh, real quick before I let you go, Nate. He scored a goal, I think it was last year or two years ago. He's coming in. There's a defender on his back. He pulls the puck to his backhand, one hand on his stick, and just single-hand backhand roof this thing. Like, the wrist strength on this man is just unbelievable. He gets shit off from where you don't think he can. It really is. It really does defy logic how he gets some of these things off. Uh, Phil, I'm going to take your strategy from the previous round and kind of pick a guy that uh, I think he will form into this. I'm going to go Jack Hughes. Oh, okay. The Young guy's God, already like the, the guy's already got a filthy wrister. I mean, it, it, if he develop if he develops the clapper, like he's already he's got a good clapper. But if he really adds that that compliment to his game, buddy, watch out! It's gonna be it's gonna be the Jack Hughes show all night, every night. Kind of surprising nobody took Austin Matthews with that deceptive little pull and drag release. I it was it was between it was between Hughes no. and and Matthews for me. 
I, I just went with the the younger guy because he's there's yeah. more that he can develop. Which is I like wild it. to say the younger guy than Austin Matthews. I remember his first game scoring four tucks. Yeah. Nate, we are we are back on you, my friend. Skater. Skater boy. Boy, um, you know what? I'm gonna go. I think I gotta go with Patrick Line, man. The guy just he covers so much ice and so few strides, but man, does he get up to speed quick. Um, now m- maybe he's not the best at putting himself in the right positions, but uh, I that I don't think you can contribute that to his skating. His skating is just unreal. Sure, I like that. Uh, I'm gonna take Dylan Larkin. So, okay, I, I like that. I, man, he, dude, he glides, man. Like, don't get me wrong. We already took McDavid because you could take him for any of these, right? Yeah. And 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 you'd be fine. And I guess we didn't specify. I like that we're all in the same wavelength, though. That none of us decided to kind of use use like, oh, we didn't use that guy for this one because that'd be boring as shit. Um, so I'm gonna take Dylan Larkin there. Aaron, you are on the clock, my friend. So I'm really glad you guys didn't take this man. I'm I'm not going purely speed, although this guy is very fast. But what really impresses me is his edge work. I'm going with Kale McCarr. This guy's okay. deceptive fucking mohawk turned to crossover to make you look stupid on your ass. Just like you have no clue where he's going. He can get himself into areas that you didn't think possible in the blink of an eye. His skating is unreal on all fronts. I agree. I really, I really, and when, when I think of skating, like, I was thinking of guys like Jordan Cairo. I think he's a yeah. phenomenal skater. And there were other guys I was certainly thinking about um, when we were going through this, and honestly, defensemen didn't even cross my mind. I should have definitely put more consideration to Cam McCarr, who may damn well be the best player on the planet going into, you know, the, you know, the games tonight. Jesus Christ. Aaron, we're back to you. And now we're going to do intangibles. This could be everything from leadership to, you know, Sticking up for your teammates. They always do the right thing. And, you know, they're a guy that everybody looks up to. They don't have to wear a C. They could wear an A. They may not even have, a, you know, a, a letter at all. But if you had to get the intangibles off one guy in the NHL right now, who would you go after? So the guy I'm going to pick does wear a C, actually, for the far and away best team in the league this year, Patrice Bergeron. This guy's got leadership. He's got heart. He's got unreal fucking positioning and awareness like he's always in the right spot he always leads by example uh there was a story that came out recently about how uh i think there was a a celebration for something that the team had i'm drawing a blank on what exactly it was but everybody got like a watch as like a gift on the team and he walked up to this rookie who had just got called up and he's like hey man it's like a day later. It's like, hey, I just want to make sure you got your watch there. And it's just like little shit like that, man. That's what makes him a great leader and what makes him a guy you want to have on your team. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly probably the top answer you could have out of that one. Plus, the thing about Bergie is he, he he's a two-way. He's a two-way forward. Yeah. He always yeah. knows where to be. He's great on face-offs. He's great on just positioning, whether it's in the offensive or defensive zone. Can't can't just give it to this guy enough with how how good he is in all aspects yeah i 100 percent agree um i'm gonna go with a guy that used to wear a c and doesn't wear a c anymore because he plays with bergeron but i'm gonna go nick felino nick felino has been everything in his 
everything in his career that that you could ever ask for in a in, in a leader. And you know, there there were a few other names I was throwing around out there. When I realized where the snake order was here, I knew I knew Nate was going to take him. No, I'm kidding. But Felino always comes to mind for me, and the reason he does is he always like we're in the captain's you know we're in the captain's seat. He would always go out there, you know, he'll, he'll put a guy on their ass. He's had a 30 goal season. He's always there for his teammates. But my big thing is the character of the man is strong, and everybody who's ever played with him would say the same thing. He plays in Boston. That's where his daughter gets treated. Um, for her heart condition, and Nick Foligno, you couldn't have a better guy on your team that doesn't even wear a letter. So that's who I'm going with. Nate, I'm sorry that I, you know, inadvertently stole yours, my friend. It's okay, buddy. It's all good. Um, because I, I can't. I have another guy. You always got to have a second one in the barrel. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a guy from a from a bottom team. Um. I'm gonna go with Hazy Kevin Hayes in Philly. Uh, I think I, I mean I think he's the backbone of that Philly team. Without that Philly team, I don't know what they are. I mean, you you have Konechny and he's great, but from a leadership standpoint, from an experience standpoint, from just that that know that know with all, it, it's Hazy man like. Hazy is the guy. He's in the right places. He stands up for his guys. He's not afraid. He, he's not afraid to drop him, but he's not going to be the first guy to drop him either. I, I think I, I my vote's going to be with Hazy. He also like, gets the boys going, man. He keeps shit loose in there, which goes a long way. Yeah. One guy, I guess, I want to give an honorable mention to that I've been I thought about too that I've heard great things is Blake Wheeler up in Winnipeg. I know that they love him up there, so. And he's, you know, he's been their captain. And honor, and and I wanted to add an honorable mention for me, uh, Jacob Truba. I'll throw Jacob Truba in there, dude. For Blake Wheeler too, the the class that he displayed when they stripped the C from him, they they said the culture was toxic up there. They they wanted to change over the leadership group, and he just sat there and fucking ate him. And he's like, I'm still gonna show up every day. I'm gonna lead by example, even though they took the C from me. I'm going to show everybody that I'm here, you know, for the long run, regardless of what happens coming down from management. And I, I think that goes a long way to show what kind of a guy he is. That's exactly, exactly why I, you know, wanted to bring him up too. But yeah, um, let's, uh, guys, last round. I believe this is Aaron kicks off, correct? Yeah. No, Nate kicks uh, off. Yeah, Nate went last. Hey, the wild card round. Who's your wild card, buddy? Boy, there were a few options here that I tossed around. Um, I'm going to, and I could have used him in the last category, but I'm going to use him in this category, and I'll explain why. I'm, I'm going with Jamie Benn in okay. this category. And here's why. Like Jamie, Jamie Benn's got the leadership. He's got the wherewithal. He's always going to be in the right position, but he's also got the grit. He's not, he is never afraid to drop those gloves and fucking show you who's the boss. Um, he's, he's an assist machine. He's a, he'll get his Genos. Guy's an all around, all arounder. And, and that's why he's my wild card too, because of, because of the fact that he's all around and he'll drop the gloves with you and get gritty too. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that wild card. Um, I'm going to take a wild card that is the definition in every every sense. Everywhere he goes, his teams win, and everywhere he goes, everybody's afraid of him. Ryan Reeves, Revo. 
is the definition of he doesn't doesn't give you much in terms of offense, but uh, nobody's going to run your guys if you have Revo out there. And it's never more evident than the, the records of teams after they acquire him from other teams. So, Aaron, there's yeah. Aaron, there's two guys that come to mind, and if you don't say either of their names, I'm going to be shocked. I have had a guy in my mind since this started here, and I'm really glad you guys didn't pick him. Joe Pavelski, running mate with Jamie Benn in Dallas. This guy is so. If we're going with one thing on the wild card, I got to go with his tipping ability. He's the best tipper of pucks in the league. He can take a puck that's like up by his fucking shoulders in the high slot and somehow direct it into a corner of the net. But also, he's got the leadership too. He's a captain in San Jose. Took those guys to the Cup final in 2016. His first year there as captain. He's responsible defensively. Great around the net with rebounds and stuff too. He just He's a clutch fucking player in every aspect of the word. He brings a skill set that not a lot of guys have. I'll, I'll, t- I'll say, so the so the guys that, the first guy that I had in mind, Aaron, that I'm shocked that nobody said at all, especially in this wild card, Brad Marchand. If there's ever a yeah. guy. If, that guy is a fucking wild card. He is the definition of, and if there was ever a guy that's able to get under the skin of an opponent, it's him. And then my second, my second one was Tom Wilson. Tom yeah. Wilson too. Corey, Corey Perry, Marcus Foligno. Yeah, wild yeah. card, like wild cards. But then again, that also could fall into the grit factor. But the reason I chose Marshawn is, yeah, he'll maybe he'll drop him, but he just does other shit to get under the skin. Dude, he's a shorthanded threat too. That guy scored so many fucking shorthanded goals; it's unreal. Yeah, he does. Because guys, that this has been a fun game. We'll send all this shit over to Barely. I'm sure they'll make some wonderful graphics out of it. Let's Aaron, get a poll on Twitter. Who do you think won the contest? Who won the contest, boys? Which player would you like to see out of all those uh, attributes combined? Aaron, I see that you threw together something about the women's juniors going on right now. You want to share those? Yeah, so it's been a minute since we've had some fun juniors talk on here. Figured I'd throw in a little uh, spotlight that came across my radar. Uh, so, World Juniors is under 18. That's that's kind of the qualifier. Usually see, like, 16 generally is the youngest players you see there. Well, in the Women's World Juniors here, which just wrapped up here a couple weeks ago, we have Nila Lupasanova from Slovakia. Yeah, exactly. From Slovakia. She is 14 years old. She can't fucking drive, boys. He is ripping it up. The, the tournament just concluded she was named MVP as the youngest player in the entire tournament with nine goals, three assists, 12 points, and only five games for Slovakia. And she was the first female to pull off a Michigan goal in an IIHF tournament. So... They, uh, they did a little oh. interview with her afterwards. Fucking crazy, man. Just silky smooth behind the net. None of the fucking players or the goalie even knew what the hell happened. They were like, this fucking alien just did something we've never seen before on, on ice with us. She's a and witch. they interviewed her after the game. She goes, listen to the confidence in this chick. It's a routine move for me. It's easy to do. She is just like, she's a huge prospect for the women's league. And she is generating some buzz around a sport that really doesn't get a lot of attention from the media. Women's hockey is growing rapidly, but it's still not anywhere close to where the men's is. 
it's not even close to like women's basketball or anything. So it's really cool to see kind of a spark plug come in here. She's really young, really looking forward to seeing what she does throughout her career. Just wanted to give her a little shout out here and, uh, you know, everybody keep an eye on her. She's going to do some great things. I'm sure. Badass man. I can't Absolutely wait for the, badass. I can't wait for the Nike ad when she's like old enough or like, like, you know, 16, 17, 18, whatever that has her and Trevor Zegers talking about, pulling off of Michigan or something like I can already see it. The ad, the ad man in me already sees it. Dude, we're going to see fucking all-star game contest, like the slam dunk contest, but fucking Michigan contest who can do the wildest Michigan. It's just going to be those two battling it out. That would be, that'd be what is fuck guys. This has been a long episode of the podcast. Ugh, I feel like, you know, I mean, we did have a week off two weeks ago. I feel like we just put in one hell of a shift, boys. Yeah. What do you say say we wrap this bad boy up? Nate, we'll start with you. You Got anything for the listeners? Not at all. You guys enjoy your week. Thanks for listening. Enjoy some hockey. Check out Aaron's weekend blog. Check out the Beerly Store. Get you some merch. While you're tuning in, before you tune into your next podcast, make sure you stop and leave us a five-star review. All that jazz. Um, yeah, so that's, um, that's all we got. Love it. Thank you for making my life easier. Aaron, if you want to shit pump your, your own blog and then anything else, go for it. Yeah, um, I think I'm in the same vein as Nate. Don't have a whole lot else. Uh, I think we did some great work here, boys. We, we broke some new ground. Um, yep, check out the weekend preview. Keep an eye out for that on Friday. Going to highlight a few games of the weekend that you should watch. I know there's a lot of options, so sometimes it's nice to have it narrowed down to the good ones. So, uh, yeah, with that, I think we're out. Football season's coming to a close, boys. Who do we like this weekend? Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the Bengals in the AFC, Eagles in the NFC. We're gonna have a Bengals Eagles Super Bowl. We'll do some, we'll do a fun Super Bowl tied into hockey game too, guys. Yeah, there we go. Before the well, the big game, we don't want to get sued. Call it the big game. Um, there's a lot of copyright with that shit. Um, before the big game, we'll do like a fun like hockey meets football kind of game. We'll come up with something over the next two weeks. Um, but yeah, Aaron, do you have a little prediction for uh, the NFC AFC title games? So I've also got the Bengals just because they own the Chiefs. Beat them three times in a row. Beat them on their home turf last year. So probably going to do it again this year, especially with a hobbled Patrick Mahomes. And you're welcome, go- Bengals fans, for hobbling Mahomes. And I'm going 49ers over the Eagles. Ooh. Fucking Kyle Shanahan, awesome coach, great defense. Brock Purdy is just another plug-and-play quarterback in that meat grinder of a system that tears people up. Sorry, Jalen Hurts. It's over, bud. I am going to go... Bengals Niners, a traditional matchup because the Bengals have made Super Bowl twice or three times. Sorry, but the first two, they lost to the Niners. They've lost to an, a now NFC West team every time. And I think it would be beautifully, you know, just beautifully poetic if the Bengals got that proverbial monkey off the back and knocked off the 49ers for their first ever Super Bowl. I think that'd be really cool. There'll be a lot of older Bengals fans that have suffered for a long time. I will remember watching, you know, the Bengals lose to that juggernaut 80s 49ers team. So, uh, yeah, I think it'll be Bengals Niners. And the Brock Purdy story is great, but I think it, it'll end on Super Bowl Sunday. So, 
we will, like I said, we'll do a fun game with that too. Obviously, because everybody's going to be watching that that weekend. That's the whole weekend it's about, basically. So, that'll just about wrap up this episode of the Beerly Hockey Podcast for Nate McBride and Aaron Kenny. I'm Phil Razor saying, Beerly Hockey. Pairs well with Bruce. Old broadcast, boys. Okay, fuck.